The following is a sermon from the Edgington Evangelical Presbyterian Church in Taylor Ridge, Illinois. So, as we spend this summer uh, working our way through the Apostles' Creed, we just confessed together what we believe. Let me remind you that when we recite the Apostles' Creed together, we are joining with the church through all the eras of church history to declare that we believe what they have believed, and if the Lord tarries, there will be future generations that use the exact same words to say the exact same things that we have believed, that previous generations have believed. When we confess the Apostles' Creed together, we are saying with a unified voice, this is what we believe. And our purpose this summer is to explain what it is we believe when we say what it is that we believe. So, I'd like to invite you to open up to Genesis, Genesis chapter 1, the very opening of uh, the Word of God is the book of Genesis, it means beginnings, and today we unpack what it means when we say we believe in God the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth. Genesis chapter 1, the maker of heaven and earth. Now, uh, just one or two more brief comments as you go to Genesis. Uh, the creed orients for us, shapes for us a view of the world and a view of all of our beliefs as a Christian church. This morning, as we think about God the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, what we are thinking about is the teaching of the Bible regarding creation and what we believe about where everything comes from. I'll say to you at the beginning that for the Christian church, the teaching about creation is not speculation. It's not a guess. It's not an assumption. It's not a shot in the dark. When the Christian church confesses the truth of God the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, it is not speculation, it is declaration. We are declaring to the world that this is what is true. And we want to be convinced of it together and consider what it means. I hope you'll find as we think about this this morning that the doctrine of creation is one of the most important and practical and relevant truths for the Christian church in every age. What the world needs from us as Christian believers is to be confident in our assertion of who made the world and what it means when we say who made the world. And we'll think about that this morning. So if you've got your Bible open to Genesis, let's pray and ask God to bless his word to us today. Heavenly Father, we turn now to the beginning to acknowledge that this world has a beginning and also to acknowledge that you exist in infinite eternities outside of that beginning, which is why we worship you. And so infinite and eternal God, as we open up your scriptures, we pray that you would send your spirit upon us to plant your word deeply within us that we might not only read and see and understand, but also become convinced by, believe in, and rest and trust in the truth that you teach us in the Bible. Make the Bible precious to us as we see your revealed truth now, we ask 
In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. And now hear the word of God in Genesis chapter 1. We'll be reading some and skipping some and, and, and concluding at the end. Genesis 1, this is the word of God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness and called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And God said, Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven. And there was evening, and there was morning, the second day. Verse 24. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the, on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Amen. Grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God abides forever. Let's keep our Bibles open there. We're especially looking really just at verse 1 and 2 today. So, what do you believe about God the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth? If you were engaged in casual conversation with somebody else and they casually brought up the topic. What do, you, what do you believe about these various things where we come from and what our purpose is and what our identity is and what it all means? Uh, how, how confident are you to be able to articulate what the Bible teaches about these subjects in such a way that you are both convinced that the Bible is true and are able to articulate it or maybe perhaps you're not sure and you're not sure what the Bible teaches and you're not sure what the church believes and so therefore you're not sure what, what you believe either. What we're doing this summer is, is summarizing what it is that we believe as the church. Not just the church here in Edgington, not even uh, the, the 
churches of Presbyterianism, not even the Reformed churches, not even Protestantism, but the tradition of the Christian faith in unity, what we hold together as our most essential truths. And creation, where we come from, is a part of that as we confess we believe in God, the Father, the maker of heaven and earth. Now let me say here at the beginning that there is both a diversity and a unity about the topic of creation. There is a diversity with regard to the teaching of creation, with regard to the how and the when and the how long questions when it comes to creation. And if you're interested in that, should have been in Sunday school. Because <laughs> that's what we did in great detail. So there is a diversity of opinion on some of these things. But there is an essential unity, an absolute consensus of the Christian church through every age about this reality. That everything that exists is a product of God's divine work creation, that he is the maker of all things by the power of his word, creating all things out of nothing and all very good. It doesn't matter what church tradition, it doesn't matter what period of church history you are a part of, all Christians assert together that God is the creator of all things that exist, creating all things out of nothing by the word of his power for his glory and all very good. So let's, let's unpack that together briefly, exactly what we mean when we say that we believe in God the Father, the maker of heaven and earth, and then let's, let's apply it. Because it matters deeply to you and to your neighbor that you believe this. It matters very deeply what we believe about this, but first we'll unpack it. When we say that God is the maker of heaven and earth, we mean at the very foundation three essential things. And we'll go through them one at a time. But look again at verse 1. Verse 1 introduces you to the concept of an infinite, eternal age that existed from eternity past, in which God dwelt in infinite, eternal triunity within himself before anything existed. Just pause and think about that a moment, would you? An infinite eternal age in which the triune God has eternally dwelt in all of his perfections before anything was made that was made. God is. God has always been. Amazing. But the Bible says in verse 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. What do we mean? The first thing we mean is, very simply, that God created all things. God created all things. That everything that exists, exists because God made it. God's eternal decree of creation brings all things into existence. God himself is the first cause. He is the infinite and eternal being to which all things draw their existence. Before anything was, God was in infinite eternity. We read about that in other places in the Bible. For example, Hebrews 11 verse 3 says, By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God 
so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. God made everything. Very practically, any time you look at something and consider it beautiful, any time you look at something and are brought to a moment of awe, there is something within you by God's creative design that is responding to the reality that you are observing the handiwork of the Almighty God. That all things that exist, exist because He made them. God created all things. First, secondly, because God created all things, God is distinct from what He has made. This is very important. That is to say, there is God, and then there is everything else. There is God, and then there is the things which God has made. In the beginning, Genesis says, God. In the beginning, God dwelt. In the beginning, God existed. God himself has no beginning. He does not come into being. There is not a time in which God did not exist because God does not dwell within the confines of time. As the creator of time, he dwells outside of its bounds. There is no limit upon his infinite, eternal existence. And so there is God, and then there is everything else. That is important because that means that creation is not God. That means that God is not himself part of of creation. He doesn't sow his person into the stuff that he makes. There is God and then there is the things that he has made. That's very important because you and I live in a world that advances this idea what that you know God is in the trees and God is in the wind and God is the water and God is these very things that's called pantheism. And the ancient world was working against that notion in the early church. And we're still working against that notion today that, you know, God is the river and God is the tree and God is the forest and God is the breeze. Or God is in those things or a part of those things. I grew up on the movie Fern Gully. Remember that movie? Fern Gully and in the modern age, Avatar, which is just a much more expensive version of Fern Gully, advances this notion of, the deity is the world. God is the flower. And the deity of the flower dwells amongst us. And you are also God as you dwell in the creation. This is famous among ancient Eastern uh, worldviews and religions and pagan philosophies from the ancient Greek culture and the Eastern culture, but also still today, as people want to become one with nature because they identify nature as God. But the Christian church says, no, there is God, and then there is the things that he has made, and there is a great distinction between those two, and there must be. First, God created all things. Secondly, God is distinct from all things that God has made. And third, when God made all things, he created them good. The resounding theme of Genesis, as you read through it in the successive pattern of the very days of creation, is that when God makes something, he declares that it is good. He rejoices over the works of his hands and calls them good and indeed very good. God, as creator, distinct from his creation, rejoices in the product of his handiwork and delights in the way it displays his glory and reflects his creative authority back to him as the maker 
of all things. God created all things. God is distinct from all things. He created all things good. That's what we believe as the Christian church. That's our view of creation. That's our view of Genesis and the beginnings of things. But you should ask the question, does my neighbor believe that? Does my coworker believe that? Does the, my fellow person on my sports team believe that? As I interact with people who have different ideas about these things, what should we think and what should we do? What are the alternatives? What is the alternative to the belief of God the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth? And I want to suggest that you could summarize all of the alternatives and group them into just two. If you reject God the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, you have at least two options. One, you could say, well, everything just, you know, appears. Everything comes from nothing. You could say, well, once there was nothing, and then there is now a something, and now there's everything. Now, even among, you know, secular folks, this is not a theory that is oftentimes advanced. You know, that, that, that time plus chance plus matter equals everything, that everything comes from absolutely nothing, but that's a historic view held by some people. But the second view is most common in our world today. This is a more secular view. The secular view, the second one, which is dominant everywhere in the world today, is that there has always been something. There has always been something that is some matter. We don't know what to call it, so we just call it stuff. We just call it matter. We don't know when it came into being. We say it has always existed, and we call it matter. That what has now always been in an undeveloped form now exists from that undeveloped form to this more developed form. And they say, it's always been here. We just don't know what it is. So rather than saying nothing exists and then something exists, they say, no, something has always exists, existed. And to both of those views, the Christian church has a response. To the view that says, well, once there was nothing and now there's something. And to the view that says there has always been something called matter that has just simply exploded one day and poof, here's the universe. A both, against both of those views, the Christian church has this to say. There has not always been a something. There has always been a someone. Who is the first cause? Who is the original mover? Who is the original maker? And the someone is God the Father Almighty who has brought the something into existence. The something that is here, the creation that is here, is not the inevitable result of some impersonal, unorganized, incoherent, random, accidental development of matter. It is the result of a purposeful, personal, sovereign God bringing all things into existence, though remaining distinct from it, and creating all things good. This is the Christian view. And I want to say to you, it's a great time to be a Christian. It's a great time to believe the Apostles' Creed's teaching about God the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, because it's what the Bible teaches. Why? Why is it such a great time? Because people are willing to talk about these things. People actually want to think about these things. And if folks who are interested in them don't have 
a confident Christian in the realm of their influence, where will they hear that the something that you think has always existed is actually a someone who has brought all things into existence, and not only has he done that, he's told us about it. Your neighbor needs your competent confession of God the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth. And you know, some people say, well, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in the existence of God. Okay. Do you exist? That's the next question you should ask to someone who says, I don't believe that God exists. You should ask, do you believe that you exist? Do you presently have existence? Let's talk about it. How do we understand it? Does anything really exist? Where does it come from? And unless the person, you know, is lost in their basement of conspiracy theories saying nothing actually exists, right, then they're probably a reasonable person who's willing to think about it with you of where things come into being. People want to know, where do I come from? From the curious child to the anxious teenager to the middle-aged person living in identity crisis, people want to know, where do I come from? And I am convinced, and I hope you will be too, that the Christian faith has the most reasonable and the most satisfying answer to the question. It is both reasonable and satisfying. Because while astrophysicists who are without question much smarter than me are telling us about, you know, a big bang, the child knows to ask who banged it. Who banged the bang? And to that question, some might say, well, I don't know, or it just happened, or some people might say, it's an illegitimate question. You cannot go beyond the scope of that. But the Bible says, yes, you can. And here it is. The Christian asserts, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth. They're saying, I have a reasonable answer to where things come from. God made them, and God made you. It is not only reasonable, it is satisfying, because far beyond the explanation that life is just some fortuitous cosmic accident, and you are just the product of some meaningless biological happenstance, the Christian faith says God made you on purpose for a purpose. That's much more satisfying than you were just the result of some accident of a lightning bolt in a mud puddle. The fundamental orientation of thought says, in the beginning, God. And I just want to encourage you with this thought today that the Bible presents all things in this scope of reality to begin with God and then work outward to understand everything else. That's important because oftentimes, in our world today, people like to begin with themselves and then work outward to create a definition of God for what is acceptable to them. But the Christian believer begins with the assertion of God the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, and then works outward to be able to say, I therefore understand my creation, my purpose, my identity, according to what God says, this is the fundamental orientation of the Christian believer, beginning with God and working outward and not the other way around. And that has manifold implications. But consider it this way, that because 
God is. Because God is, everything else is distinct. And therefore, because he is the creator, he is the ruler. And because he is the ruler, he is the designer. And because he is the designer, he is the teacher of what life looks like in the world that he has made. That means the best way to understand life is to understand it according to the maker of life. So what, is, what does this all mean? Like, let's be very practical about why this is so significant and how this encourages us today as we think about ourselves as Christian believers confessing God the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth. It encourages us, first of all, because the doctrine of creation humbles us, doesn't it? The Christian church says, there is a God, and I am not him, and neither are you. And therefore, we are necessarily humble in the face of the reality that God is the maker, God is the designer, God is the ruler, and we exist as subservient to him in answer to our creator who has made us. That destroys notions of human autonomy. I am my own God. I will declare my own view of the world. I will say what is true. It destroys the idea of relativism. You know, that view in the world that says, well, that's true for you, but it's not true for me, so I'll take this truth and take it over there. And humanity wants to have this great buffet of truth, and it's all relative, and you can believe whatever you want. But if God is the maker, and God is the designer, then he is also the one that gets to say what is true. It destroys our autonomy, our sense of rel relativity, and our sense of self-sufficiency. You do not exist for your own sake. You are not sufficient. You did not bring yourself into existence. You are not sufficient, therefore, to be the Lord of your own life. And the times in which you have tried, it didn't go so well, did it? To try to rule over your own life as your own sovereign. The Bible, in the opening pages offers you a view of the world that says, humble yourself before this great sovereign creator. As God asked Job the question in Job 38, Job, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Where were you? Since you seem to know so much about how the world should operate. Since you seem to have such strong and vehement opinions about the ways in which I should operate, Job, tell me where you were when I decided that the oceans should come this far and not further. Job, where were you? Uh, if you need a dose of humility today, go read Job 38 39. Because Job is placed in the questioner's chair by God, and God says, Job, humble yourself. You weren't there. You weren't there. So it humbles our pride. Secondly, especially look at verse 27, it humbles our pride and it guarantees our worth. It guarantees our worth. Verse 27 says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Why does humanity have dignity, purpose, value, and worth? Why do all human beings all human beings, 
dignity, value, purpose, and worth because they are made in the image of God uniquely. Apart from all creation, the apex of God's creative design is humanity made in his image to reflect his glory. I know how much you like dogs and cats or whatever other animals, but they are not made in the image of God. You are. And I don't know who among us needs to hear this especially, but we all do. You matter. Your life matters. I was talking with somebody this past week who was really struggling with that question. In a determinative way, what's the point? Why do you matter? Because God has made you. That matters for children. That matters for teenagers. It matters for young adults and middle-aged folks and older folks. It matters for everybody. You have purpose and value and worth inherently because God has made you. It guarantees our worth. It humbles our pride. It guarantees our worth. And thirdly, it reveals our purpose. Why do you exist? Why do you exist? You exist to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Because He's made you. And therefore, He determines why He has made you. You were created to know your God and worship Him. That's why you exist. How many anxious people in the world could be satisfied and quieted by reflectively considering this truth? That I am not the product of all my failures. I am not just the derivation of society's opinions about me, positively or negatively. I am who God has made me to be and have been placed in this world to know this God and worship him. To anybody who struggles with their sense of worth and struggles with their sense of dignity and purpose and value, the Bible says God has made you. And you cannot get out of Genesis 1-1 before you have a wonderful sense of purpose in the world. This has all sort of manner of moral implications, doesn't it? It reveals our purpose in the sense of healthy and happy human flourishing. So that the way God makes us and the purpose for which he makes us, the purposes of God making male and female and the union of male and female in marriage or perhaps in singleness, but the dignity of our sex, the dignity of our gender, the purpose of being made in the image of God is not something that humanity should rise up in rebellion and say to its creator, you're wrong about me. We should instead say to our maker, you have made me. And I humbly submit myself to defining my identity according to the way you define my identity because only you have the authority to do so. Loved ones, there are a lot of hurting people in the world that don't understand that. And maybe it's because they don't have a compassionate Christian neighbor to say to them, you're not a mistake. You're not an error. God made you. And his designs and purposes are good. He didn't mess up. 
when he made you male or female. He made you to be happy and flourish in your identity. Doesn't that matter? I mean, in really significant ways. The doctrine of creation encourages us, it humbles our pride, it guarantees our worth, and it reveals our purpose. And finally, you say, finally, finally. <laughs> creation, John Calvin says, is the theater of God's glory. Creation is the theater of God's glory. You know, uh, it used to be the case prior to streaming television that people you know, would watch their shows on you know, uh, basic network television and then maybe cable television. And the options of shows that you had were limited so that you know, maybe people were watching the same shows. In a world of streaming television, my goodness, you've got an infinite number of choices and people are constantly posting online what show should I watch next? And what show should I watch? And everybody's got hundreds of opinions of all these things to watch, of these dramas and these stories. Loved ones, listen to me. The greatest drama in the world is in the scriptures. And God has created the world to be the theater of the unfolding drama of a world that he has made that is lost in rebellion because of human sin that God himself is restoring by sending his son into the world to remake the world and restore it. That's the story of the Bible. The greatest drama of all is that God is working out on this world that he has made the narrative story of his great redemption in Jesus Christ. The Bible's not boring. The shows that you watch are boring compared to this. I'm not telling you don't watch a show. I'm telling you are you dissatisfied with the greatest story ever? Or does the doctrine of creation, God the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, thrill your soul to such a degree that you say, I must know this God and I must worship this God? I hope it does. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we rejoice in the truth that you have made this world, that you reign over this world, that you will one day restore this world not to its original glory, but to a consummated glory of redemption in Jesus Christ. Lord, we cannot even imagine the glory that awaits that day. And so help us to be filled with love and awe and wonder for you, our great triune God and creator of all things. We humbly submit ourselves to you in the loving name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon. If you would like more information about our church or its ministries, please visit edgingtonepc.org. May God bless and keep you.